Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Collicott. With new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month, catch Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Okay, nerds, geeks, and people of a sociopathic nature, welcome to this special episode of Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, um, brought to you this time from the east coast of North America at Gotham Studios. Uh, with me in the studio today is Dan Collicott. Howdy. Imran Mirza. Hello. And TJ Sutherland. Wagwan. And I am your special guest host, Dennis Jose Francois. Um, the subject today is actually Batman as portrayed on film, on the big screen, and on the small screen. And we're going to talk about our cowled Cape Crusader, what we like, what we don't like, what we think is good, what we think is bad. So we're going to dive straight back, straight into it. Let's go to Imran. Imran, who is your favorite Batman who's been on screen? Let's just start right there. Well, yeah, go on, it's deep end. Okay, um, I would have to... I feel like there's loads of questions. There's loads of points about that in terms of... Because it's it's everything around who's, who like who, who helps facilitate the best Batman as well. And for me, of course, it's, of course. it's Michael Keaton for me. Um, because my, my initial introduction to Batman was the Adam West TV show. And I thought that's what Batman was. And then the next thing I know, 1989 hit, and then Tim Burton and Michael Keaton... Uh, present their vision of Batman, which was a huge jolt of of kind of oh my god! I had that wasn't what I thought Batman was at all, and the impact of, fair, of that movie. Batman was actually what Batman was in the comics at the time as well. So that's was he true. really? Did he go that far back? Well, like that? Wow. It, it varied. I mean, it it, was... he, he went from a camp to a serious to a camp. So yes, yeah, yeah, what TJ said there. Right. Well. So let me put uh, this to you. Mm. Let me put this to you on the subject of the Michael Keaton Batman. At the time, there was a lot of controversy about whether or not he was the right choice for the role. And had it been in the era we're in now, the internet would have gone crazy about it. Right. After the fact, everybody liked it. But I'll put this to you. Somebody said to me once that what Michael Keaton is is the best Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That is precisely. This is why I think Batman's the most interesting because he's probably the only. Character, the only comic book uh, person that I could think of that you would never go into playing, you, like, oh, so and so would make a good Batman, so and so would make a good Batman. It's always who's going to make a good Bruce Wayne because you have to get into the psyche of the person that would become this 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 guy who puts on a suit and fights crime at night because that's in of itself that's insane. And my favorite kind of version of Batman is that. Well, my favorite kind of interpretation is that he's as balmy as all of the villains. He absolutely li- should live in Arkham. That's kind of what I love about Batman. And I, I think if you approach the idea of portraying Batman, you can't look at it as that. You have to consider who would make a good Bruce Wayne because the character stems from who that person is. So I completely agree with that. So what is it you think that that, um, that those movies had that hasn't been replicated since? Why, why, why Michael Keaton? Why Tim Burton's Batman for you? Because I loved the uber-gothic nature of the character in, in, in that portrayal. And I think that that version was the most mysterious. I, I like Batman. I know he is a, a, a man at the end of the day without any specific superpowers, but I still like that almost supernatural element of Batman. I totally, I, I, I really, really have you know, almost everything perfect I could say about Christopher Nolan's version, but his version was about portraying um, what it would, in essence, in commas, in reality, be like for a guy pursuing this path. And I don't really care where he gets his weapons. I don't really care about the the kind of the intricacies of how he facilitates that role. I like the guy that will disappear into a puff of smoke. I kind of like this guy who's a little bit stronger than he should be, a little bit faster than he should be, a guy who can beat a room for 20 guys. I kind of like the, the, the more mysterious element. And I felt Nolan removed that from his version. Okay. As excellent as it was. Interesting. So, all right, let's 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 move along to Dan. Dan, who is your favourite Batman? What's your favourite iteration on screen of Batman? Um, I think I was also blown away by Michael Keaton. I mean, that was the first time, I think, in any kind of superhero-related movie that I'd seen 
something quite as sort of dark, moody, completely different tone from everything that had really kind of gone before. But in terms of the actual kind of quality of the films, the franchise and everything that kind of goes around, you know, the character, I'm still, I still prefer Christian Bale because I think well, Michael Keaton only only got to play Batman in two films. Um, Christian Bale is the only actor who's who's been fortunate enough to do Batman. Sorry, to play Batman in three <laughs> films. I'm just trying to think if um, Ben Affleck has only been two films, or is it three films? Two and a half with Suicide Squad. I think. Um, yeah, and then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Yeah, <laughs> but he's so, still playing it for two, for three films, in essence. Yeah, okay, so that kind of doesn't wash. But I think in terms of the most screen time for an actor playing Batman, that has to go to Christian Bale because he was pretty much always always central to those films. I th- I actually think his um his Bruce Wayne is very good. Um, it, it always reminds me of American Psycho a little bit, but I think his his Bruce Wayne was was decent. I think his Batman was decent. Sometimes the the use of the same tone and register of voice gets a bit grating and a bit feels a little bit over the top. But yeah, I think <clears throat> on the whole, his his depiction of of that that character is probably the best and stands up the best i do like i had to say uh, I, I do like ben affleck i thought his batman was surprisingly on point it, i couldn't can't really criticize him at all i just think the films that he was in kind of really uh, undermines his performance and his role and his character uh, but yeah so yeah okay so tj what about you who is your best favourite on-screen portrayal of the Cape Crusader? I mean, I'm shocked no one's mentioned George Clooney by now. I mean, I mean come on, guys. <laughs> well, are we, have we all been watching the same movies? I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, <laughs> this guy, he personified, those films just personified everything that I know and love about Batman. Um, <laughs> nipples, uh, rubber suits, uh, super colourful, nah, anyway. Um, Didn't I have the back credit card? They did have the back card. I mean, it did. It was know. the back. He had the back credit yeah. card in that film, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> had the whole nine yards, baby. It was, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, great shout, obviously, uh, for the '89 Batman. I think that kind of really, you know, the '60s Batman had its place. It was camp and fun and silly and whatnot. Um, the '89 one really did kind of blow me away a lot um, in terms of the darkness, the the, the, the kind of side of Batman that hadn't really been shown on on the big big or small screen uh, at all before. Uh, Nolan took it to a whole other level as well, I think, with the films that he did. But I, I have to give a shout out to the animated series um, in the, um, was the early 90s, I think it was, like 94, 95, I think, around that sort of time. Um, yeah, I, I just think it was, I think it was arguably one of the, you know, X-Men possibly aside, I think one of the best um, kind of comic book uh, cartoon series series that um, was aired. Uh, I think the, the level of writing, the maturity in the writing was excellent. The animation was obviously great as well. It gave you a real breadth of all of the, <clears throat> all of the, um, the crazy amount of villains that Batman's got. Also had a Robin in it that wasn't completely annoying. Uh, unlike a lot of uh, a lot of the movies that came out, um, and yeah, just I, I just thought it was it, it struck a tone of oftentimes with cartoons, uh, especially cartoons, cartoons being pro- predominantly aimed at kids, they can get the tone of something quite badly wrong or maybe kidify it a bit too much, and especially with something like Batman, um, I think you need to be a little bit brave. And not shy away from the darkness that the character has, or that. Would you, or would that you say you need to be? A, would you say you need to be a bit brave and a bit bold? 
Possibly. <laughs> well played. Um, who, who played um, Batman in the anime, animated series? Was it? It's not Kevin, Kevin Conroy. Con- yeah, Kevin, Kevin Conroy. Conroy. Yeah, like the iconic Batman, uh, as in the iconic um, Batman voice that doesn't too, get it too gravelly, but doesn't sound too camp as well. He, it just hits that the, that tone perfectly. I think he's done it for pretty much all of the animated stuff, or at least the like the, a lot of the animated films as well. Um, he's done the voice for, for most of them. Like, um, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, for me, the, the animated series, if anyone's not seen it or, you know, I think that's definitely essential viewing for on screen version of, of Batman for me. So, there, I mean, there have been several animated versions of Batman. You've got the Justice League Batman, you've got Batman Beyond, you've got Batman Brave and Bold. There's all sorts of different versions. You mean specifically Batman the Animated Series, which but, is basically yeah. the Batman Year One, Year Two comic book series. Exactly, yeah. Batman, Batman the Animated Series, um, uh, the one with uh, him and Robin set in... Actually, what the, I'm not even sure what year it's set. It's, it's got, again, it's got that sort of weird... I suppose Batman's always got that weird aesthetic, apart from the Nolan ones, which obviously... Um, contemporary but batman's always got that kind of weird like film noir-esque kind of uh vibe about it um but yeah the, those are the ones that i mean batman beyond is also very good but um yeah that that original animated series um which was yeah i think it was early 90s excellent stuff so, yeah. so I, I would say I don't particularly have a favourite back, uh, uh, Batman of recent years. But what I am liking at the moment, I'm going to say this because no one's mentioned it, is the portrayal of Bruce Wayne in Titans, the Netflix series. At the oh moment. yeah, um, I think that's so quite. In, I think that's quite interesting. Uh, it's an interesting approach to the to the elder Batman role. I suppose if I look at the films, I quite like the Ben Affleck version of Batman. I think it's unfortunate that he suffered from some very poor scripts, which. To be fair, he was probably involved in writing, um, and he could have done the. You know, it, it could have amounted to more. I feel that the world, specifically the internet, was against him from the beginning, and that yeah. shaped a lot of what happened. Um, and that's a shame, really, because we're living in an age where movies are getting shaped by the audience. And as as a you know, someone involved in making films myself, I don't think that's quite right. So uh, we won't go into that. Know, the uh, fans of the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie might say otherwise. <laughs> don't even get me started on that. It's a whole other podcast. Um, okay, so we've established who which Batman we like. So sorry, before, one... before you move on, really quickly, mm-hmm. I found it that's interesting actually because you've you've pinpointed two very p- specific types of Batman, I guess. Um, and that that would be kind of uh, the old grizzled veteran type Batman because that that's that's kind of the version that Affleck played, and that's definitely the version that's in the in the uh, Titans yes. show, and it's, it's very much like the um, uh, Return of the Dark Knight graphic novel version, that kind of mm. old you know war war beaten version of Batman. That's just interesting. Well, I think for me, it's the most credible version. One of the things, uh, um, paradoxically, what I don't care for is the whole Batman v Superman idea. Um, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Batman v Superman is an absolute farce and fallacy. It's only ever occurred in one comic book, which was a what-if created in the 90s as an alternate future by Frank Miller. And that's the only time in comics you see Batman v Superman. In the comic books, they have always been portrayed as portrayed as the best of friends. And they support each other, and there's no animosity between them. They, they understand each other's tactics. And it just so happened that that Frank Miller portrayal of... Batman. The Dark Knight Returns one, wasn't it? The Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Strikes again is the third one, I think. Um, And that became very popular. And since then, there's been this demand for, let's do Batman v Superman. Let's do Batman v Superman. And when it actually came on screen, it was an absolute travesty. um, Because it was never a good storyline in the first place in that regard. So... That film was was ultimately flawed anyway, but... It was a a car crash. They can't be enemies because uh, their mum has the same name. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Here's the thing. Just very quickly go into some of the problems in that film. It's three films in one. Yep. Yeah. Right? It's the establishment of Batman, it's Batman fighting Superman, and it's Doomsday killing Superman. And, it, and it's the establishment of Wonder Woman. That's four movie plots right there. The other problem with the film for me is that it originally... And the chunky was, plots as well. No, like, it, was like meant to be a, it was meant to be a sequel to The Man of Steel. 
And then it became the Man of Steel and Batman was going to be in it. And then it became Batman versus Superman. And Superman may as well not have been in the movie. Because actually, at the end of the day, I think everybody came out of the cinema and said, the best thing about that film was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, so what it, would, definitely what I would say. It is just an absolute mess. Um, just, just, just an absolute mess. Can, can I make a, a point about um, a depiction of Batman that we've missed? Probably the most successful film depiction of Batman in, and most recent in, in recent years that we've all forgotten about. What's that? Uh-oh. Will Arnett in Lego Movie? And- <laughs> of course, yeah. Lego Batman has been very successful. Yes. That has actually been very successful. He does have a good <laughs> Batman voice. He does, he does. So, Batman is not just a singular person. He's very much the product of the environment and co-stars around him. So, who for you are the essential... What's the essential supporting cast? Because you you got to talk... You can't talk about Batman without talking about Gotham, without talking about Wayne Manor, without talking about Robin, without talking about all those things around. So, I feel that very much other things that have made the films good or bad is that supporting cast. Like... Um, Unlike any other DC uh, comic book, uh, Batman has a, the best rogues gallery, right? It's a fantastic array of villains to choose from. The only thing comparable, really, on the Marvel side is Spider-Man, who has a fantastic rogues, rogues gallery. But Spider-Man has the Joker and the Penguin and Catwoman and all sorts of characters. And then, of course, there's Robin and Batgirl, Batwoman and Alfred, etc., etc. So... Looking at those secondary parts, which ones do you think have worked really, really well, Imran? Uh, in in what kind of context? In terms of a, a specific actor in in the role in a certain movie or a character on paper? Just just regardless just of well, who's played them. Just as well played on screen. I'll tell you, what, I'll, I'll I'll start with this. So one of the issues I have with the Christopher Nolan portrayals of Batman is that the Batman of the comic books is the world's greatest detective. He's the comic book equivalent of Sherlock Holmes. And in in the Christopher Nolan films, he punches and spends his way to victory. All the brain work is done by the the Morgan Freeman character. All of the um, uh, deduction is, is done by either a computer system. He doesn't solve anything himself. He spends a lot of money. He has a lot of toys. That's not the Batman from the comics. I think that's one of the main problems with that movie, is that he's just a, a rich guy who can fight. Um, in but, other portrayals of the film, he's had the support of Alfred, he's had the support of Robin, but he's been quite a smart character, but he can't do it alone. So my, my question really is, what do you need in order for that to work? But, but just to say very quickly, I, I can't remember any, any of the films, uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne, being particularly good as a detective. I think, I think, the, I think the Michael Keaton one was. Maybe a little bit. He, he works stuff out, you know? Like, mm. you know, people say something and it clicks and he figures something out. He's quite clever. But I just yeah. didn't get that from Christopher Nolan. It's, it's really you know? funny because I kind of disagree. Like, I actually almost disagree with everything you said because I thought the Christopher Nolan ones, um, they were more about him as a detective. And I, I one of the things I would fault the movie hold for on, is... Hold on, is, sorry. Well, sorry, one sec. Are you going to then reference that, that bullshit piece when he... Uh, what was it when he worked out what the guy's fingerprint from a from a destroyed bullet? Oh, uh, not that wasn't specifically what was in my mind. Was that flawed? Was that flawed logic for you? <laughs> Just a little bit, I think. Just a little bit. Uh, don't worry, TJ. Imran won't be invited on the podcast again. It's <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't bring it up. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I, for me, there was a serious lack of just sort of general action in in those movies for me. Where I, I always thought he's supposed to be a ninja, and he's, there are no, there's no fighting in this in his movies at all. Like I didn't he had say one he, really good fight scene. I didn't say he was good at fighting. I just said he wasn't good at detecting. But that that seems to be the take on the the, the current Robert Pattinson one, where they want to explore that as that's that's the hook yeah. of of that movie apparently, where it, they want to yeah. explore that world's greatest detective art. Right. Well, that could yeah. be that could be quite interesting, and I think I think you know, looking across all versions of Batman, I think they've kind of not really, in comparison to the stuff that I've seen him do in the comics or the way they focus on that stuff in the comics, I I don't think that they've done a real solid portrayal of that in any of the on-screen versions of him. To to be honest, um, 
I mean, that just my opinion, but not he, outside he the an, not outside the animated series because you're right in that TJ in the animated series. I think they portray that quite well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's why I'm keen to see what they do with the because I, I I I'm sure I read somewhere or maybe I imagine this, but I'm sure that he the director whose name forget um, escapes me now. Um, said that he was taking quite a lot of influence from the animated series as well. So, to me, that that that'd be super interesting. Okay, Dan, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the bits that support the main role? Well, I guess it's quite interesting to note that, that probably the worst film, uh, well, or critically considered the worst film, being Batman and Robin. But I actually thought that the depiction, the handling of Robin in that film was fairly spot on. I don't know. I, I quite... Um... You mean the George Clooney one? Or yeah. the Val Kilmer one? No, the it was the George Clooney one. Right, so the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. which is Yeah, is, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> so even though it was a bit of a car crash of a film, I kind of thought, if you know, that, that Dick Grayson versus the very kind of... Because uh, it was Joseph... Gordon Levitt, is that right? Yeah. Is kind of, well, he, he is basically uh, Robin. He's sort of woven in as um, Robin in the Nolan films. Because mm. I think with a view to, weren't they going to make him Darkwing or something like that? Night, uh, Night, Nightwing. 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 Nightwing, sorry. Um, but obviously they didn't. Did he say Darkwing? Darkwing. I don't know. Darkwing. I don't know what Darkwing is. I think I'm thinking of Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think um, at least th- th- there's that one, you know, role for Robin in Batman and Robin that kind of felt like okay, that that's what I, as a kid, having never seen Robin in any other um, film or TV adaptation other than the, the you know, the Batman the the sixties series. That was kind of what I thought Robin would be like. And they, they, they sort of seemed to do a fairly accurate backstory. Um, but Alfred, I mean, I think Alfred um, having, you know, Michael Caine, apart from the fact he, he always looks like he's about to burst into tears after one of his kind of monologues uh, to Batman. He, he was pretty good. Uh, but I think, um, yeah, I think I think all the um, the Alfreds have been. Pretty- I, I would agree. I think all the Alfreds have been good. My favourite Alfred today, actually, although I haven't seen all of it, is the Alfred from the uh, TV show Gotham. Gotham. TV show. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's what I was going to call oh, it. Actually, John yeah, Pertwee. Like, yeah, Pertwee's. Yeah, uh, I think he's excellent. great. Um, but I haven't. I've only seen the first couple of seasons of that, and I don't plan to watch the rest. So um, I think that's. I think that's quite a good portrayal of him. But all of the Alfreds, I think, have been quite good. Um, and the Robins haven't been that bad either, uh, actually. Robin, I find, is a difficult role these days because they have now been, for most people, classically, Robin is Dick Grayson and everybody knows him from the 60s series and from the comic. But, of course, in the actual comics, now there's been, what, four or five different Robins? Um, uh, there's there's four main ones. There's a couple yeah. of side ones, like the female one that was in Dark Knight Returns. And, 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 and there's like a whole... That. There's a whole generation who only know Dick Grayson as Nightwing. Um, never mind, you know, they don't know any of them. You know, they don't know that. No, no history. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> except when we do Robin in the films, it's always Dick Grayson, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of makes sense because if you... It, you Because they've never... It's all they've always been a bit stop-start with Robin... You kind of can't then just go screw it, or just go go straight to Tim Drake or just go to Jason Todd. I mean, if you well, actually, in the um, Titans show, they they jump. They obviously got Dick Grayson and Jason Todd, which I think is a fascinating dynamic to see those yes. two. Yes. Um, so that I think you know, going back to your comment earlier about, I, I think that's possibly one of the best TV show depictions I've seen of. Pretty much any DC characters, TV show wise, not not including film. Um, it's just such an excellent show. Just it's, mm. uh, the 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 level of darkness in it, the kind of realness in the characters. You're talking I, about Gotham, the show. No, 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 um, no Titans. Titans. Oh, Titans. Sorry. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, Gotham. I mean, at the, at the yeah. end of the first season, there's a there's a whole episode where there's this, this massive action scene. I'm not going to give away any spoilers in the Batcave oh, no. with uh, Robin and Batman, and it's one of the best on-screen so good yeah. Batman and Robin moments I've seen anywhere of any kind. It's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if you've also, if you've also, if you've also seen it. I've I've seen it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's very very good. If you haven't seen it, I'd strongly advise watching it if you're a Batman fan. Yeah, so. it, it's also strange because the the last films, the last DC films, Robin was just kind of killed off screen before any any of the films began. Is that is that correct? The last DC films. Which one? You mean in the Chris oh, Nolan in the Chris, Yes. No, 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 no. The Ben Affleck. The Ben Affleck. He took. You mean Jimmy Olsen? No, no, no. no so no, in no. the in the Ben Affleck oh, film, there's a suggestion right. that Robin was killed yes. by Joker or something. Okay. You see, yes. Yes. you see a you memorial. Actually, and, yeah, you yes. don't. But they don't actually say what happened. Yeah, you but there's a suggestion. See his outfit. That's yes. About yes. It. Yeah. yeah. Very suggest that. For me, see, that's one of the things that actually makes the Ben Affleck role quite good because they ignore. They don't bother to try and re boot it or restart it or explain how he becomes Batman or any of that. Mm. They start off from a point where we know he must have gotten to at some point. He's an older man. He's got his money. And now he's got a new focus. But there's obviously been some history. You know, there's those comments that uh, Alfred makes, oh, it was easier, sir, when one just had to deal with robot penguins or whatever the line is. Yeah. Uh, and then you see, you know, there's the Robin suit and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you so, so they acknowledge that there's this whole past that is real. Um, but they don't say specifically what it is. So you can mix and match your own Batman from the past. You know, yeah. it could be any of the previous movies lead to that Batman, including the Nolan ones, actually. Um, yeah. So, and that's one of the things that makes that, I think that portrayal of him quite good. You know, he sort of sums it up when, you know, Flash says to him, what, you know, what, what do you do? And he goes, oh, my superpower is money. I'm rich. <laughs> What's your superpower? Because yeah, I'm rich, or whatever that line is, you know. And that, and yeah, I was yeah. like, that's that's really good, you know. So uh, it's a shame that we won't have that one on screen again. I think because um, there could have been a lot more in there. Mm. Um, Imran, what about you? What do you? How do you feel about the, the supporting cast? Uh, well, uh, you've uh, you have mentioned something I was I was planning on saying as well in terms of the Sean Pertwee uh, uh, interpretation of Alfred. I, I think it's far and away uh, the best that there's been. I. I a couple of the most recent ones just seem to be a bit more like eye rolling, like, Oh master Bruce, you are fighting crime again. It's kind of like, well, you're not taking it seriously. So I find it as difficult as a viewer to take it seriously. If you're making it seem like he's just out playing with his friends. But um, I kind of, I, the Sean Pertwee one uh, in particular, but in terms of a supporting cast beyond that, I, I guess we, we should absolutely discuss Joker. Uh, being the proverbial yin to uh, the Batman yang. Well, that, and, is, that, um, that, that is a good segue into the world of villainy. Yes, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. His, um, I mean, it's it's one of the most probably revered kind of uh, combinations of good and bad across any genre or era of comic book storytelling, I would have thought. Yeah, I think Joker's have become a very interesting on-screen character because we've now had three portrayals of Joker, which have all been fantastic. Um, you know, the original one done in the uh, uh, Tim Burton movies was great. For, Underrated for, in, in light of recent, uh, in, in light of uh, the, the next two that you're about to mention. I think Jack Nicholson is hugely underrated. I, I'm not even sure that he is underrated. I, I, think it's just, I, I think it's just so long ago that a lot of people aren't really as up to date with it as, you know, and Heath Ledger really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Well, I, um, I seem to remember when Heath Ledger took on the role, a lot of people were like, oh, he's not going to beat Jack Nicholson. It's got to, yeah. you know. So I, I think uh, Jack Nicholson's version is as revered as as um, as he could be, to be honest. And then what do we think about um, Jared Leto? Mm. Mm, it's a tough one. I, I, I think he's a great actor. I think he was stifled by uh, really poor creative decisions. Most of his material was cut, pretty much, wasn't it? Uh, that too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, yeah. So, that, I, I think those films have got a whole lot, whole host of other problems outside of the poor portrayal of Joker as well. So, so, so uh, and then of course, most recently is Joaquin Phoenix, um, who's 
I mean, that's almost, uh, a, I mean, that is a standalone movie. And now I can hear a groan there from TJ. So come on, let's, let's, let's roll up our sleeves and put your dukes up. What's wrong with fucking Phoenix? I, <laughs> I know I'm going to get some hate for this, so screw it. Bring it on. Um, so I, as a film, I think it's a, a good film. Um, as a film about the Joker, I think it's for me personally, it's meh. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that film that's very clever. There's a lot of stuff in there that's um, very on point with, you know, the the tone of today, 2019. I guess it came out in. Um, around mental health, around disenf- uh, disenfranchisement, disenfran- well, you know the word. Um, there's, you know, poverty, just the, the whole the whole nine yards, and it's it's a it's a pretty dark and depressing film in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's a story that could have been told without the and been just as good without the use of the Joker IP. Um, and I struggle to unless until I see him play a Joker character within the realms of I don't know um, more of a, the Joker type character. I struggle to rate him above a Heath Ledger or a Jack Nicholson. Um, I mean, it's quite a short list of competition yes he's better than jared leto but you know that's not that hard i'm better than jared leto in the in the role of joker so yeah so that's where i stand on joker movie not a fan then uh no i i no, like i say i think it was a, a a very good movie um i just don't think it was uh, a great portrayal of the Joker character for me, like I say, you know, for other people, I know a lot of other people resonated and were like, they, they were glad that, that to see this fresh take on it and yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. But for me, it kind of stripped away a lot of the mystique around the Joker character that I really liked about that, uh, the character. Um, so yeah, well, again, the first sort of, full-on origin story i guess yeah which i uh, which uh, in, in and of itself i have a problem with as well but yeah how do you do you mind if i jump in because I, I i i i saw it and i you know obviously I, I i totally appreciate the the film that it is it's a great film i i actually don't feel the need to ever see it again having said that and i i think i feel like this is a very unformulated thought that i've not been able to kind of make sense of since seeing the film but like i kind of the depiction of a car of a of a villain uh that is not say sympathetic. choose it who, yeah, sympathetic but like the kind of guy who genuinely just uh and i don't mean to simplify you know the the things that the character went through but a guy who just needed a hug more than anything else just had a bad day basically well in terms of what well, he had a, in terms of the the depiction of his of his youth and what happened to like he got yeah, attacked yeah. like and stuff like that you kind of feel like well this isn't a i like a villain who actively chooses evil if you, if this makes sense as opposed to someone who you know is doing these despicable things but almost not by choice almost because they actually are beyond a certain point of of sanity hmm. is this making any sense it is no, making I know, sense I know, I know, and this is exactly i think that's also part of what i had a, an issue that issue but had a bit of a about because i don't in all the years that i've been reading batman watching the films and you know digesting the, the material i've never once necessarily felt sympathy for him even in um the killing joke when they did the whole um various different versions of what his origin story would be i like the fact that it was you know there was lies in there there was half truths there was you know there was one version and there was another version and and you know so it so it gave me a bit of insight into what could possibly have happened but at no point did i ever feel as though i should have any sympathy for the character um and that humanizing of him in the joker movie for me i was just a bit like uh, yeah, so, I, I didn't need that. 
how would you feel if Joaquin Phoenix showed up in the next Batman movie as the Joker? Uh, I'd be interested to see what, what the take on it is. Um, I, in terms of how it would... Again, I'm not disparaging him because I think he's a bad Joker. I just don't think I saw any of that in the, in the, in the, in the Joker movie. I think that's that's kind of where I sit. So, yeah, if he rocks up in a Batman film and plays a Joker and he knocks it out of the park and he smashes it, then yeah, so, cool. So I think that the I think the issue with the, with the Joker, from my my perspective, the issue with the Joker role in general is that I don't think a single one of them has been done on screen which actually matches the origin as we know it from the comic, which is fine. It doesn't have to. Um, the, the Joker role played by Joaquin Phoenix, you could have changed the title of the film to something like Sad Guy or yeah. any other, you know, and it would laughing, have had... The laughing, cra- laughing Clown or something. Like yeah, it would have had actually the same impact and it's very tenuously, unfortunately, connected. I mean, it means a bit more because we know the story of Joker, but it didn't have yeah. to be that. And um, it's yeah. about the breakdown of someone who didn't, who really didn't want to go down that path. So, there, hang on, hang on. Isn't there similarities to um, that story and Killing Joke? Because Killing Jokes... They used, they used elements from... So in Killing Joke, Joker tells... I think it's three different versions or something like that. I, I forget that. It's been a long time since I read it. But he tells various different versions of what, is, of what happened to make him become the Joker. Um, and I think they, they used a few like snippets here and there from, from it. Um, the, the, but, the failed uh, comedian thing is definitely yes, yeah. That's always been part of the story, um, but yeah. Um, the I think the big difference is there is how he gets his white face really. Yes, because yeah. in the comic books, you know, traditionally that is a chemical accident. It's an accident, yeah. Mm. So, in which interesting, they get the most accurate version, as far as I can tell, of the Joker background actually comes from Harley Quinn. The Harley Quinn movie, um, but I'm going to put it to you. My favourite joke is actually Caesar Romero. <laughs> nice. From, from I, I got a lot of love for that for the Caesar Romero. Yeah, Romero. and I'll tell you why. Because actually, despite how camp the whole um, Adam West Burt Ward Batman series is, the Caesar Romero character, the Caesar Romero portrayal of Joker, and to a certain degree Penguin, you could pluck him out and put him in any of the other films, and it would actually work. He is the Joker. He's a hysterically laughing, ridiculous character who uses toys and jokes to create havoc. And that's the character of the Joker, you know. Um, And I feel that it works really, really well. I'm silenced there. Nobody agrees. (laughs) (laughs) This does come come from the man who believes you could put Jar Jar Binks in any film as well. So, you know, that's... Hey, don't even get me started, TJ. I've got, I got a great one for you on that. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, so, so this leads me to the next point I wanted to raise. Um, in order to enjoy Batman as a character, does it have to be interconnected to the rest of the DC universe? Does it have to be interconnected to anything else? Do you like the standalone nature of the movies? Because the most successful Batman comic books have actually been standalone, you know, Dark Knight, um, Killing Joke, uh, Long Halloween... It's questionable as to whether they fit into the actual everyday running of the comic. Hmm. Um, you know, there are different interpretations of that. But, uh, you know, what someone once asked me, you know, well, what's the difference between, between DC and Marvel? What's good about each one? And I would always say that Marvel has a far better interconnected universe. But if you were going to ask anyone to name their top 10 best ever graphic novels, nine out of 10 of them would be DC productions. But no one would ever say that the DC universe was a better interconnected universe because it just doesn't feel like it. Yet, you know, you've got everything from Watchmen, Dark Knight, um, you know, Poison Ivy, all of those standalone big stories are all DC stories. Whereas Marvel, it's very hard to actually place something like that. But they do a much better job of weaving together several storylines. Coming on to Batman, do you need to have one or the other? Which way does it work? Is he, is he condemned to always be a standalone story a character? Or can we have him exist in an interconnected cinematic world? I would say you could, but the problem is the way we've we've become so used to franchises. We've become used to sequels and threequels. And because the Nolan franchise was so good, 
I think there's probably a part of us. Well, I won't speak for everyone, but but for me at least, I kind of, I almost want to see that kind of progression because one of the most frustrating things I found with um, the the two you had the two Keaton films, and then you had Val Kilmer, uh, and I actually quite quite like Batman Forever because uh, I really thought um, uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler was fantastic. But then you've got Batman, um, Batman and Robin, and what what kind of annoyed me is those. Okay, the first two films, fine, we know that that Batman Returns is a sequel, but the other two just felt like they didn't belong. Different in, director, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, different director, different character, uh, different actors, different characters, and I think I was so relieved when we got the Nolan films because there was quite. Um, quite a progressive story arc that I really thought, you know, was excellent. And it felt like that that's what DC was start, starting to do with, um, uh, you know, Justice League, Batman versus Superman. And... But why, why, why does it need to be connected to another series of films in order to make it work? Why can't it just be a standalone like these are just three films about Batman. Why do they have to link in? No, to I, I, agree. I agree. It can be like that. And I think if if Robert Patterson, you know, if, if that is a standalone film, then, then obviously a lot, you know, the world over will start to, to change our, our way of thinking. But I just don't think, I mean, for, for, they, they've already talked about doing a sequel to the, the, Wackering Phoenix Joker film because it was so successful, and I guarantee you, if the if Robert Patterson film is is good, even if it was conceived, it's supposed to be a trilogy anyway. The Patterson ones, he signed for three films. Okay, well there you go. But but I I think that's just the natural expectation. Marvel is probably to blame for that. But I I always want to see you know with with Spider Man. Uh, Can I can I just. Let me just clarify something about that. The reason that actors get signed up for trios of movies is is actually more to do with the fact that if the first film they only got signed up one at a time and the first film was very successful, the actor then they can ask for more money. Yeah, ask for more money. So you're going to sign up for three films even if they only ever make one, so that the studio doesn't have to keep paying you loads of cash. Yeah, there's there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee, but there 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 has been. I'm sure it was either the director or the right or the right. It's not one the same. But said that they they're eyeing up a eyeing up a trilogy of movies, and of course, uh, and, the, and the, yeah. So, but yeah, obviously the first one tanks, then you ain't gonna see number two and three. But. Sorry, can I can I ask Imran to just give me your opinion on interconnected or not? Uh, it's solo for me. Um, I I feel like there's too much effort to try and put Batman on a level with these superpowered beings, and I don't feel you can really explore a Batman story or a Batman psyche when he's having to interact with like Justice League members and things like that. So I prefer Batman by himself. Right. Okay. Right. So with that, oh sorry, TJ, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say it's, it's interesting because I watched a few of the uh, animated. Um, movies and a lot of the time I I actually find it quite fascinating seeing Batman trying to hang with or not trying to successfully hanging with and in fact oftentimes being the de facto leader of people that are way more powerful than he is Um, I've always found that quite an interesting dynamic I mean not to say I I, I agree with your point around you know it's funny I think Dennis, you nailed it. You said you know, the Marvel films have kind of spoiled us, I guess, or kind of or, or kind of set a standard in terms of interconnectivity and um, you know continuity that I can't really see any other franchise being able to rival anytime soon. Um, and I think DC kind of started to try to do that, and then quickly realised actually this isn't going to be something we can do quite as or anywhere near as successfully or as easily as, as Marvel have been doing. And I would prefer that they just do little solo projects, little trilogies, just do really strong individual movies. If they want to overlap in certain areas, fine. But don't try and do another MCU. Just do just try and focus on good storytelling and good movies and uh, But, is, yeah, but I, isn't your opinion of that because they've basically fucked it up already? 
if they hadn't have done such made such a dog's dinner of it. Oh I yeah, no, of no, not so. Let me put it to you this way: Marvel sat down from the beginning and plotted out twenty movies, maybe ten. But they knew they were going to do a whole load of interconnected movies from the beginning, from when they started with Iron Man. They knew where they were going with it. DC and retrofitted it. Yeah, they did, they did a kind of, they did a kind of half, you know, half in, half out kind of approaching it, and that's why I think it, it ultimately failed. And I mean, you know, Dan, if they if they had have sat down and plotted out twenty movies and and made it made a concerted effort from starting from, I don't know what would it, what would it have been, um, the first Superman film, I guess, or maybe the Nolan films. If, they, if they'd if said from the Nolan films, right, we're going to, the universe is going to look like this and we're going to, you know, the same way they, they started with the Iron Man films. And in fact, there's similarities there, you know, both billionaires, both, um, you know, less powerful than a lot of the guys around them, you know, inventors, geniuses, similar sort of thing. And you could have taken that, 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 set of Nolan films and, and finished it in a way that you said, okay, we're going to expand the universe and go on for the next 20 years and make shitloads of movie and make a shitload of money. Um, but they didn't. And they did a whole, you know, a kind of halfway approach and didn't quite capitalize on that, that reboot and that rebuilding of the, of the Batman brand. And, you know, to, to, I, and, and I think it's too late for them to try and do it now. And I, I'd, I'd much prefer, I'd, I'd be happy with them to just do, you know, great solo movies or, or great trilogies. To, um, to be fair, I don't think even Marvel knew how successful that interconnected set of movies would be. Oh no, they didn't. When they did the Iron Man movie, when they did the Iron Man movie, they weren't they weren't even sure if that was going to make enough money to recoup um, recoup the money they'd laid out. So, can yeah. I just pick up on something you said where you talk about in the animated series where you see Batman with the Justice League and holding his own and being a leader, and then we come back to the point I made earlier. It's because he's really, really smart. He's the world's greatest detective. He has got a human inside. There's a Bruce Wayne in there. He doesn't try to compete with them by their powers. He does it with his brain. And that's yes. where he fits in. He's the smartest one in there. And I feel that, unfortunately, a lot of the films haven't really portrayed that. What I would like to get to, though, is he's a different... smartest guy in the room. Yes, exactly. Um, what I would like to ask you guys is, do you prefer your Batman dark or do you prefer him camp? Imran. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say dark, but what other part of Madden West? Can we? Other, well, I suppose the Joel Schumacher movies would probably exactly, yeah. play yeah. them into camp territory. But I, w- I would have to say dark. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll go back to that Tim Burton level of darkness. Uh, for me, it was uh, which it was it was dark, but it obviously wasn't like grim. It wasn't violent or anything like that. It was more of an aesthetically dark um, sort of tone throughout the films and visually but i would have to say uh, a dark I, su- I suppose when i say camp i mean slightly humorous as well i feel yeah. that the ben affleck version Darkly managed to point, yeah managed to get some of that in as well actually i think it was able to laugh at itself a little bit personally i like that little bit of humor i recall very much an interview once uh, i saw on tv in the 80s where they had they were doing a celebration of uh, 25 years of James Bond and they had it was some British talk show like Wogan they had Roger Moore on there and he said to him why did you always pay play James Bond so tongue-in-cheek the way you did and he said well look you've got the world's greatest secret agent but everybody knows what he drinks that's ridiculous how can you how can you play take that seriously <laughs> right he can go into any bar in the world and they'll say oh hi mr bond you know vodka martini shaking on such third what kind of secret agent is that so you've got to laugh at it right and i thought you know what that's really that totally changes the perspective of the roger moore bond for me i get it now i get it you know um and i feel like sometimes if a if a character a franchise a film can laugh at itself that can be a good thing it doesn't have to all be dark but that's me personally what about you dan um. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be nicer to have a balance. I mean, I think that was maybe the one thing about Ben Affleck. He was quite stone-faced. Uh, he never really looked comfortable in that role. And I think having a few wisecracks and a little bit of humour to the character does... Yeah, you know, it it falls it falls and forms a nice balance. I'm just trying to think. I think did Michael Keaton have any sort of one-liner moments? He had a couple. Yeah, he had a few. Yeah, he had a few. Uh, more in the second movie than the first, I think. 
the yeah. line about the car. The chicks love the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't wrong to be here. Yeah. So, oh, so all right, great. So let's talk about the car. What is what is a Batman movie without a Batmobile? Um, which Batmobile? Uh, <laughs> Eighty-nine Batmobile, baby, which is sitting on my my uh, my shelf right now. Lego the Michael version. Keaton Batmobile. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, the Nolan Tumblr is just a fucking tank. Um, but there's a, there's a there's a kind of you know that kind of hulking on your thing about camp or dark. There's a there's a dark campiness about that '89 Batmobile. I think it's ridiculous, but it, there's I don't know. There's just something about it that just it just fits the Batman for me. Dan, which Batmobile? Um, I love the 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 tumbler with the the bat bike in the middle. Oh yes, that that, that bike moment is pretty good. Um, yeah, pretty awesome. Imran, which Batmobile? I'd have to go with eighty nine, but I'm desperately trying to recall Affleck's one. He do, he drives it in Justice League, doesn't he? But I can't remember for life me what it looked like. Is it there? You go. That summarizes that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the most visually iconic. Probably because I had one as a kid is the the, the Adam West one is that has it's just sixties style all over it and it had such ridiculous abilities like there's a lever in the middle which basically allows it to spin around one eighty degrees on the spot, spot. yeah and, you know, and that, in in the show you can see the turntable in the floor you know it's, uh, but that's what the eighty nine Batmobile that I think because there's a lot of styling from that that they stole that they stole that they borrowed from the sixties version as well like the the giant wings on the back of it as well. Yeah. Um, which is just like an over exaggeration of what was in the '60s version. That spinning on the spot thing—they did, they did all of that as well. It's my brother had the toy version of that of um, that '60s Batmobile as well. Okay, so we're coming up close to the hour, so I've got two more little things I want to cover. What are expectations for the next movie, Imran? Um, I'm I'm really intrigued because they they have publicly said um, about them wanting to explore as we've said the the tag of the world's greatest detective so uh, you know I, I i think it has been touched on i do think nolan had it at the back of his mind at various points in in his movies however they've never gone all in uh so i'm, I'm intrigued by that and i have to say that i i was i was surprised that the casting but i think if if batman casting has proven to be one thing it's really don't judge it till you see it like keaton was taken a certain way i was floored by ben affleck as uh, an announced uh about bruce wayne i thought that's insane but i you know he was clearly for me the best thing about batman versus superman and uh i don't you know patterson has blindsided me again but again i'll i'll wait and see and he'll probably do a great job so tj expectations for the next film um pretty high actually uh and i'm i'm I'm, you know again similar to what uh imran was saying i think um a lot of people immediately saw patterson and immediately thought twilight which you know fair enough you know it's it's the thing that he's most iconically known for um but to the guy's credit he's he will be the first one to turn and say yeah i actually you know i've moved on so much since then and I've, i've done such a such a wide body of work so um you know, shouldn't be judged on it, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they bring to it. I'm excited to hit, you know, see what the style is going to be. The whole going a bit more into the neo noir style of the animated series, focusing on on his detective skills. Um, yeah, really, really excited to see what they bring. Okay, Dan, expectations for the next movie? I'm pretty optimistic because I think they they've got to get this one right. It, it felt like all the all the kind of studio leeway that they had for the Justice League and Batman versus Superman, all, all that kind of goodwill and budget has probably been used up and they really need to nail this depiction of Batman. Presuming that, you know, uh, if, if it is going to be a trilogy, if it is going to be more than one film, it, it's slightly different if it's just going to be a one-off. But... I quite like I quite like the casting and the actors that have been named so far sound pretty good. So yeah, cautiously optimistic. Um, I do have to say one thing uh, on on the Batmobile. Just coming back to that, the Batman Forever Batmobile. Does anyone remember that? It had blue stripes. It was an absolute. I'd say car crash, but <laughs> is it the one that was kind of lit up like a Christmas tree? Yeah. Oh, it's got a massive, massive like shark 
Obviously yeah, shark fin type shark fin situation and... going on. Yeah. No, so, but yeah, go. On. Sorry. So, with um, regards to the next film for me, I don't particularly have any expectations. Um, what I would like to, or what I think would be humorous to see, would be some kind of on-screen explanation uh, of how Batman or Bruce Wayne, whichever one is responsible, somehow could create an orbital satellite for the Justice League on their own. That is one thing in the comics that always baffled me. <laughs> Batman was the architect of the Justice League satellite, and it's like, how? I know he's rich, and I know he's clever, but how? Okay, so just moving along from that. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm going to wager that's not going to be explored. No, I, I, I don't expect well, that's ever going to be explored, well, right? If Elon, if Elon Musk can send, you know, rocket ships up into space, I, you know, I, it's not that far, far, far a stretch of the imagination to think that Batman could sort mm-hmm. that out. So, so last thing is one single moment from any portrayal on screen. What is the, that iconic mo- moment for you, uh, TJ? What's the most iconic Oh, I guess just scanning my memory through all of the movies. Um, I guess it. <laughs> I guess it, it, it's corny and kind of easy to go to, and I'm sure one of the other two guys will have thought of it. Uh, but I'm going to jump on there. Um, in the '89 Batman, when uh, he pulls that guy up, and Michael Keaton just says, "I'm Batman." Okay. Who are you? <laughs> Imran, how about, um, how about you? I it's pretty an unusual pick actually, uh, but I will go with uh, Dark Knight Rises, Bane, backbreaking, uh, Batman. Uh, wow. It was it's kind of a a, a story that I had. Uh, there are certain comic book stories I've always gravitated towards and always been really fascinated by, and I I think you knew I guess when you knew Tom Hardy as Bane. What you knew that that story was going to be explored. So I think when Catwoman locks him in the cage and then he appears, uh, you kind of think, oh, God. And it was just beautifully shot. There was no music. Uh, it's just the the grunts of him trying to keep up with a faster, stronger, bigger guy. And it's it's an almost uncomfortable. It's wonderfully uncomfortable to watch. And you've got uh, uh, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, the look of her face of, oh, God, what have I done? And it's just it's just brilliantly done, and it it is a it's something I've had in my head for years and years, and to see it done so amazingly well, I would have to say that that moment. Okay, Dan, iconic moment. Wow, they've nicked two very good ones already. Um, okay, I'll go for um, Dark Knight and the the Skyhook sequence in. Oh, that's, that's is it Hong Kong or is it? Yeah, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. That's very good. Yeah. Okay, cool. So for me, I'm going to go to the Tim Burton Batman film of 1989, and it's simply when he flies the bat plane up to the moon, and he he forms the uh, the bat symbol, and that is it. That is like one of the best comic book moments ever. That is just like so cool. And I was like, there was a there was a a, a cheer in the cinema when that happened. It was like, (laughs) and that was like, you know, drop the mic. There you go. So um, it's been great. There were so many things we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about. Catwoman. We didn't talk about Batman's stupid costume and voice in the in the Christopher Nolan films, and we didn't even talk about Jar Jar Binks. So plenty of other material to talk Why? about in future podcasts. <laughs> because I love you, TJ. Or the fact you've been cast in the new Robert Pattinson Batman film. Who me? Yeah. As John Jeffrey Jobbins. Wright. We, we, oh yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm also in the uh, MCU coming up as the Watcher. So um, yeah. Anyway, and I think that's it. I believe Imran, you're going to play us out with some nods and pointers to where you all can be found online. Is that right? Yes. Thanks so much. Uh, firstly, uh, can we can we applaud Dennis who has Woo! who uh, who uh, has appeared. Uh, uh, in the drop of a hat he appeared and in the further drop of a hat decided sure i can host and then did so like he had prepared it for weeks um so i only managed to mention jar jar binks 52 times 
so dude thank you so much it's been awesome to, to we talk about liberation frequency uh, on the website and stuff like that so to kind of have this uh was uh, well i would have liked to have looked forward to it but uh i've yeah it was a beautiful surprise so thank you so much uh as well uh, for your time i hope we'll get to do it again uh you can check out further episodes of the close encounters of the fourth time podcast uh via the website forever in electric dreams.com or however you're currently listening to this uh we release episodes on the first and third monday of every month and look forward to your company uh for next time uh till next time gang wave everyone bye bye bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> see it <laughs>